So they hear the entity, which is actually absent, it's not so, is going to now be absent as this presence of Paul. <laughs> you don't see how it's already self-defeating? <laughs> you'd, you, you would use the, the process of being absent as, as, a, as a verification of your presence. <laughs> which the false presence needs constant verification of it because it's not so. And it uses whatever it comes in contact with to verify its presence. Even seeking its own absence is verifying its presence. <laughs> These little things, it's not, they're not like personal, they can't be personally exempt. They're just, they're just aspects of mind. That's how mind works. You can, it's not going to be it's not going to be uh, customized for you. The mind works that way. If, if there is a pseudo-presence, which is inherently absent, one of the best ways to cover that is to seek absence as the pseudo-presence. Don't you see? Yeah? So you would be striving for this goal, but you want to be there when you get there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it never works. It won't work because it's an impossibility. This whole point is to question the pseudo presence. Are you exactly how you take yourself to be? I would beg difference with that. Yeah, a huge difference. Like we've always been sharing lately about, you know, I I didn't go back east for a while, so I, my hair grew, and then I went back east to do some talks, and a lot of people were mentioning, hey, you're growing your hair, Paul. Sounds very innocent, you know? And I was going, well, I'm actually not growing my hair. I'm just not cutting the hair, yeah? It's not like I'm spending a few hours a week growing my hair. Like that, I do that Thursday from 7 to 9, and Friday from 6 to 10 is digestion day. And then, it's, then the rest of the time I'm pumping my blood and beating my heart. No, I have nothing to do with it, basically. Yet, the, the language implies I do. Well, I'm telling you, the language implies a whole lot that you have something to do with something you have nothing to do with. A lot. Yeah? Like with this freaking life, in a sense. So, in the, in the, in the point of view of selfing, this life is happening to you. You're not going to break that. You can try to make a better you or make, make it more ephemeral or more spiritual, but life is still going to be seen as it's happening to you. That's the dilemma. Yeah? The dilemma is the direction that life seems to have that's given to, you, given to it by your fixed position. You're not going to be able to change the direction with the fixed position. This is the magnetic pull. It's the fixed position. Life isn't you know, searching you to go after you. It's not like a cruise missile that's following you everywhere. It's just happening. But it's happening to you and, and that... that Interpretation is based not on life, but on your fixed position of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So you can try to make it a more transparent you, a more spiritual you, a more transcended you, but it, life is still going to be interpreted very clearly as it's happening to that you. That's the dilemma in a way. Yeah? So to try to bend life back to another direction... Oh, life is just going to happen now and then you're the one who supposedly supported or made that occur is again life happening to you now life is happening because of you yeah 
there's no way you can get it where you'll find a, a technique that will override the basic flaw of the formula. Yeah? I don't care if you get a 5,000-year-old technique or the newest New Age technique. They're still not going to override the flaw of the whole formula that we're approaching something in a, in a, as a form, which we're not, and that form is going to do and have itself into a condition that it hopes will be better than the one it seems to be in. Yeah, maybe it's money, maybe sex, maybe after, you know working out. Maybe you go down to one of the last houses on the block, which is shaped as a temple, so you think it's different, and then you start seeking spiritually. It's the same same formula. It's failed that way. It's going to fail that way. Yeah, you're the primary number in this skewed mathematics. It's not about trying to add or subtract other numbers. Just question the number one. Your whole mathematical logic of the mind in the conditional aspect of it is it's rooted in an idea of being the one. Yeah? The one that's going to be free. From what? The one. Yeah? How about realizing you're not the one? Then the freedom isn't like this long, drawn-out affair that you get more and more filled with yourself, but it's just a recognition that you were never inherently here and you will never be here and you never were here. Yeah, here, here. And that's what happens. The here gets emphasized with no freaking effort at all. It just becomes obvious. All there is is what's happening. Everything else is, is just a story, in a sense. Yeah. And for a story, in a sense, you want to get out of the story, but you want to still claim yourself to be the author of a better story, or a spiritual story, or one with a greater ending. Yeah, but the author and the story are in cahoots. Yeah, I don't want to go and edit the story anymore, or get it revised, or you know, get in the next edition to add something to it. I just want to see that I'm not the author, and then you know what? I lose interest in the stories. Yeah, I'm not going to lose interest in the stories if they're about me. If they're not about me, I'm going to lose interest in the stories. Just like if there, if someone was saying something to me, or let's say I always use this example, but there's a woman in the other room, if there was another room, and I'm interested in meeting her, and my mind has already has me married to her and having kids, and of course no divorces in the horizon, just married and having kids, everything going great, you know. And so my interest is keenly engaged in hearing what she has to say because I want to see if she likes me or not. Like, oh, hey, I like that guy, Paul. And then I'll go meet her. I'll, I'll, I'll hang around the building until she leaves. Hey, honey, I just ran into you. Let's go have a coffee. And then there we go, off on our road to happy destiny. But the, my interest and attention is keenly there because it's, I think it's going to be about me. What happens if she says, I really like a guy, Matt, and my name is Paul? I don't have to try to drag my interest out of that other room. It's going to immediately leave because it's not about me. Yeah. What would happen if that, the thoughts and the sound of everything up there that has such a, it's like a dog whistle to us because they're my thoughts or they're about me. We're just totally attracted to listening to this baloney. Yeah. What would happen if it wasn't about you? It's about a you, a you, but not you. Yeah. And it's going to continue to be preaching a story about AU, but maybe that AU isn't you. What would happen? Find out. Find out what happens when you lose interest in what's promoting the story of you in this life. 
Maybe you'd be free from that bondage of self, and maybe your interest and attention, instead of enslaved to emphasize the pseudo-presence of Paul, it would realize its inherent absence and then sense the presence of what truly is. Maybe that's what would occur. I would say instantaneously. And then if you seem to, if you feel like you've seemed to go back into the bondage, yeah, ask yourself, who is it that seems to have gone back? That isn't you either. The same voice, if I, some people here are in recovery, the same voice that was telling me it was a great idea to do another shot of Coke is the same voice that is judging my spiritual condition. It's the same voice. It hasn't changed from me stopping drinking. It hasn't changed from all the spiritual practices. If the spiritual practices are really severe, it's just laying in the grass. It's going to bite you in the ass sooner or later. This thing is you lose interest in all of it. Not the, this is your authentic self. This is the one that's rooted in all the scriptures of the ages. I'm going to tell you, you've got a long way to go. Then as soon as you believe that, you feel as if you have a long way to go. Yeah? This is like the, you're getting free from the need to be liberated. I'll tell you, when you were a little kid... I don't. I wasn't in an abusive situation. I had. I wasn't looking for meditation practices when I was three years old, something like that. I wasn't concerned about the next retreat I was going to go on, because everything was fine and dandy in a sense. Yeah, I wasn't questioning the size of my room, thinking it should be bigger. I wasn't seeing my judging my my mother by how she looked physically. There was just love abounding, going on and on and on. I didn't want to have gap clothes or sunglasses when I was three years old. I didn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't when I was playing. I wasn't worrying. Will I be playing next week? Because time hadn't set up yet in my head. Yes, all this stuff we grew into. Our attention and interest got seemingly heisted from this moment and was put into a, a life based on there and then, the past and the future. That's why we feel so irritable, restless, and discontent, or just that like malaise they talk about in the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism, that suffering, that suffering, that vague sense of Ill, Ill ease or discontentment is because you're not here. And yet, you are here. Yeah. But seemingly, you're not here. Because your interest and attention isn't available to what's happening now. It's beholden to what was happening and what will be happening because you're pictured there. You as this action figure, this body or this hybrid of a soul and body or a mental body or whatever it freaking is, you're, you're fixated, the mind's fixated on you, what happened to you, and it's also fixated on what's going to happen to you. What would happen if that isn't the you you are? Would you be beholden to all those thoughts and all those fears that are being promoted all day? All these terrible things are going to happen to you? This isn't about clearing out all the terrible things that may happen. It's just taking out the you. Yeah. You may travel a lot lighter through your life. Yeah, It's not going to change the geography of your life, but you're going to travel lighter over what geography is available. You're going to get fired or not get fired. Have kids, not get kids. Sick, not get sick. Yeah, But whatever life has in store for you, as an experience, you'll travel lighter over it. Yeah, 
on a stabilized way. Because, and you'll know the problem by the solution. You'll entertain the possibility, hey, maybe I'm not that. Maybe I'm not the thinker of all these thoughts. Yeah? And then suddenly the mind goes, and aha, yeah, I am not that. Yeah? Then it goes, wait a minute. If I'm not that, I can be free of it. Yeah! Yeah. And then it starts manifesting or bringing into expression that possibility. Not free as a consequence of you doing and having something, but a freedom that was always available at all times, right where you are and exactly in the same condition you think you're in right now. It's never blinking, never looking another way, always available at all times. But there's no accessing it because we're looking for it as something. Yeah. That was the one of the greatest release was the freed, freed from the need to be liberated. The only thing that needs to be liberated is what thinks it's bound. You are not bound by fucking anything. Yeah. When this is all said and done, it's all going to be said and done. <laughs> it hasn't changed one thing of nothing. No thing hasn't been altered or affected by any of the shenanigans that have happened in this realm. Not one bit. Yeah. It's like a sky, like a big open sky, like they use in doctrine uh, in Buddhism. Big open sky. Let's say you have a 4th of July event, and then there's all these explosions in the sky. Does it rip the sky open? Yeah. The birds flying into the sky, when they take a shit, does it land on the sky? It usually lands on your car, yeah? yeah? When it rains, does the sky get wet? Or does a thing called the earth get wet? and all the things that seemingly are on it. Yeah? All this stuff that happens hasn't truly affected the sky at all. It's still sky. When a plane's flying through it, I've never heard them call the, the, you know, the uh, tower and say, hey, we ran into a big chunk of sky today. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had a veer from this sky into another piece of sky. Yeah? It's insanity. Yeah? But the whole thing, we're giving so much credit to this false idea And we're having so much doubt and lack of faith in what's inherently so. Yeah. That's why there's an old Zen treatise that I love called Faith Mind. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it is. Having faith in mind. Yeah. Not in what's appearing to be so. Not in what you think was so. Not in what you're thinking will be so. Well, what... The inherent nature of mind is emptiness and clarity, yeah, and its ability to reflect. Let's say right now it's reflecting a system, a mental process called selfing, yeah, and why it keeps reflecting that is because it, it's been the story or the advertising on the mental process is that all this is about you, yeah. So all it can do is point, and then the mind. The mind appears as, in, as the reflection of all this pointing, as the one who's been pointed at. The mind makes the leap in ignorance, yeah? All the pointing can never make it so. But what happens is, the mind, reflecting the pointing, gets to a point where it believes it, or buys the inference and the referring, and then it makes the leap into being what's pointed at, yeah? Now you're that fixed reference, now life isn't happening, it's happening to you. and it opens the door to tons of mental machinations it shouldn't be happening to me 
It's, why is this happening to me and not happening? And on and on and on. And it just goes riffing, like John Coltrane. You know? Giving him a note and say, hey, John, riff on separation. All right. You don't think the mind is like a jazz player? Give me a freaking break. It's the greatest artist and entertainer, and, and the ability to entertain is the greatest of all. Right? That. That's the mind. But what it's entertaining here, to be so, can only seem to be so. Its inherent nature isn't affected by all the seemingly so. It's never been affected. It will never be touched. Nothing can dye it. Nothing can leave an imprint on it. Yes? So this is about looking at what you're not. Not looking for what you think you are or what you hope to be, but actually looking at what you're not. Yeah. You'll see all the pointing. Every day, the language in your head and being talked about with people is inferring that there's a someone there. All day. Every day. The simple, innocent thing about growing your hair. The simple, innocent thing that you're the doer. It's just, it's just assumed that you're the doer of every action that moves through this body. Yeah? It's just assumed that you're the thinker of this incredible, subtle process of the brain called the thought, thoughts. Yeah? Yet you can't even digest your own food. You can't even shit when you want to. But you actually believe you're the doer of this incredible, subtle process called thoughts, which you can never see. Yeah, That's how subtle it is. Yet you assume you're that, that you're the doer of those thoughts. I have bad thoughts. I have good thoughts. I want to do affirmations to make them more good and less bad. You're assuming, the mind's assuming it has something to do with something it has nothing to do with. It's much better if it would be a hands-off policy. I swear to God, you would have distance from you and the thoughts when you weren't holding them as yours. You're the gravitational pull. Yeah. The thought isn't driving you crazy. It's the my thought. It's your identification as a thinker that drives you crazy. Because that accesses a power of mind that all the shit that the selfing has claimed, being the doer of, like thinking and actions and seeing and hearing and feeling, feeling and tasting, it's, it's, taken, it's, it's claimed to be the doer of consciousness. It's claimed to be every, everything. Yeah? In that claiming, whatever it's claimed, it uses what it's claimed to facilitate the bonding effect. Yeah? So you and I, the mind, is constantly being bonded to this idea of being a self. The glue is constantly being applied by your narrative of your life in your head. Yeah? All day. Yet, the only reason why it keeps getting applied because there is no way this bond could ever happen. Yeah? The mind is not an action figure. But if it's bonded so much, it looks like it could be so. That's the highest level it reaches. The mind gets fooled and it takes something that is seemingly so to be so. Yeah? And then what happens? Then seemingly so really seems to be so. Yeah? Like in recovery, we say false evidence appears real. False evidence appears real, an acronym for fear. False evidence cannot be real. It's false, yeah? The highest level it can reach is it appears to be real. But it needs a you to appear to be real too. It can't appear to be real. Nothing is inherently real here. But it can appear to be real to you. So a thought one day, let's say this. 
Monday, you're not in good shape. This is a big problem, let's say. Tuesday, you're in good shape. It's not a problem. Wednesday, you're in bad shape. It's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem or isn't it a problem? It's neither. You're giving it the meaning it has. Yeah. If your mind is in a certain condition, or your heart, or your emotions, let's say, it's all mind. Yeah. I'm not talking about the little yapping mind. Mind. Yeah. If the mind is in supposedly a bad condition, then something can be a problem. If the next day it's in a, a, a like a more relieved condition, it's not a problem. Obviously, you're given everything the meaning it has. Yeah. So you're giving what can only seemingly be so to be so. Stop. <laughs> well, you can't. That's the good news. That's the good news. You just hear it, they hear it, and then the mind does the rest. The invitation gets in, the, the spiritual subpoena gets served, the message gets delivered. It's like you were asking earlier about what this is about. Every meeting is an introductory meeting. It's an introductory offer. There's no, no product comes after the introduction. The introduction is more than enough because you're the product. You're the product. You don't need another fucking product. You don't need another book, self-help book. You don't need another spiritual stanza. What you, what you, what you need, what you need, you are. And therefore, if you get that, you don't need it. That's the beauty of it. Even the need drops. Yeah, you're left with nothing. The gift that keeps on giving, nothing. And the mind wants to make it something. It does. That's all it does. That's why we can't seem to recognize it right when it's underneath our nose or a past person who may have realized this says, hey, what you're looking for is what's looking. St. Francis of Assisi. What you're looking for is what's looking. Where? Where? <laughs> no, what you're looking for is what's looking. Right now, even if you're looking at a porno theater thing, or you're looking at a, a Bible, or this, what it, what's looking is what you're looking for. It's not to be found in the porno theater in the Bible. It's what's looking into the porno theater and into the Bible. Yeah, What's looking is what you're looking for. He doesn't go on an 800-page dissertation. It's a simple message or an invitation. Here you go, bro. What's looking is what you're looking for. See ya. <laughs> oh, well, come back. What are you going to hear? What's looking is what you're looking for. I don't care if you come here five years from now. Some people have. They get the same thing. Someone says, are you going to be talking about something different tonight? No. <laughs> why, why would you want to move on from here? <coughs> Yeah. Look at even the Eightfold Noble Path of Buddhism. If you look at it as a linear thing, a linear process, yeah, there's eight things. I don't even remember all, but the first one is right view. Yeah. Now, in Buddhism, supposedly the right view has something to do with a word called anatta, which means non-self. Yeah. So it says right view, then it goes into like right livelihood, right meditation, right understanding, right whatever. Yeah. But... Without the rightness of the first one, that's what migrates into all the other things. You're not going to produce the right view from meditation or from action. It's the view, yeah? Get the right view, which is what we're on, 
and I don't feel any need to ever get off it, is that. And then whatever you're going to do is the rightness of this is going to be instilled in it. Yeah? What you would call a wrong action before can obviously not be wrong if the right view's there. Yes? You see how it gets so so solid and real, the right and wrong, as you go down the line without the right view. With the right view, things get a very uh, open. Yeah? Very... The, the definitions and the partitions get a little bit displaced where you start seeing, hey, what the hell's going on? Yeah? And then you find out what works for you. You become your own authority. So here, selfing, it's a movement of mind, yes? Mental process, it's a verb. The verb is the act of being identified as a self, yeah? There's not two aspects of that statement. There's not the noun of self and then the verb of act of being identified as. It's a verb, the whole thing. There is no self, yeah? It's promoted by a process called selfing, and then the mind makes the leap into being a self. Yeah, the selfing is like the language where it's assuming you have something to do with something you have nothing to do with and it just keeps on keeping on inferring this and assuming it implying it and then the mind in a sense gets lazy as we grew into it and now it's like the it's like the fallback uh, trigger yeah it doesn't even have to point much anymore we always always seem to have a sense of self not a thought the thoughts like wrapped with a feeling The real bondage is a sense of self. And it gets to a point where you may identify what you feel like a conceptual, uh, like a square type, uh, straight line, no circular thing called an ego as what's driving you crazy. But then there's the feeling of having the ego. And then if so the ego drops, there will also be the feeling of not having ego. That's the bondage. It's that feeling of being the owner or the haver of something. It's not what you have or own. It's the being the owner of it. Like Ramana Maharshi said, you don't have to give up. And this, he may have just been talking to one person this time. It may not have been a, a general rule for all. But he says, hey, you don't have to give up your possessions. Give up the possessor. Yeah? You don't have to give up, quote unquote, your ego. Give up the one who has, thinks it has an ego. Yeah? Who's the owner of the ego? Who thinks that they have... Who has your interest and attention when any little thing can happen and you're drawn to look at it? It's like you're trying to herd cats. Yeah? By claiming, of the, I'm the doer of, this is my interest. I'm going to put my interest, oh, sorry. I'm gonna, like I was saying, I was gonna, I'm going to put my, what? Your interest and attention is not beholden to you. Yeah? Because it's not yours. Right now, it's enslaved in this idea of being totally preoccupied with what's about you, which cannot be now, it's there and then. That's where you're the star, as an action figure. That's how the mind remembers you, because it thinks about you in the past and the future. 
Yeah? And in that way, it remembers that you that's not here now. And that's the sense of being a self. The sense of being a self is that remembering that vague feeling of what it was like to be that and what it's going to be like to be this. Yeah? Or, I was, I will be, therefore I am. Yeah? Not. (laughs) I've seen it. You never know the problem or the seeming problem until the solution. Yeah? When you get relief from the dilemma, you'll be able to recognize what truly the dilemma was. Because you'll know it by its absence. Yes? Just like gravity we share about. You know, no one has been complaining about the effects of gravity. At any cafe, I bet you in the whole country of America, all around the world, no one's sitting there going... Your shoulder looks a little down. Gravity's fucking with you today, bro. (laughs) The gravity god's mad at you. It's, oh, yes, I can... No, because it's always seemingly on us as a body, yes, in this experience. The only way you would know its effects would be to go to an anti-gravity chamber. Then you could experience the absence of gravity, and then when you got back into gravity, you would know it. You would see it. You would recognize it, Yeah? But not by its seeming presence, but by its absence. Yeah, we're just we're attempting in a very humble way to entertain the possibility that this mental configuration, wrapped in a feeling of being a someone, is not you. Therefore, it's absent of that presence that you are. Yeah. Once you see that it's absent or entertain the possibility of absence, you are going to sense the presence. Yeah. And by sensing the presence, it will verify that that thing is inherently absent. Yes. And instead of now, maybe your view will change about life. You may not be out there trying to grab and get and this and that. You'll see that Everything is just a giant expression going on. Yeah? Mind is just expressing like every freaking second all the time in tons of ways. Yeah? And that and you are the facilitator as this event. You're not the you're not the facilitator. This this let's say uh, interface is the is the facility or the facilitator of mind's expression. Yes? Now, a lot of us have been facilitating a certain aspect of mind that's been growing and festering and building up mutations in this Petri dish of being obsessed with the idea of being a self, which is really incredible because it's what spawns all the other addictions in this world, really. Because this addiction to want to be a self can never be fulfilled. And if you've ever had a desire that wasn't fulfilled, it usually kicks other behavior off, doesn't it? Like you eat a lot of ice cream or you try to sort of supplant or fill that hole, in a sense, with other things. Usually based on the same ignorance that caused you to believe there was a hole. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you, things will come to a fucking stop. (laughs) You'll be in this 
what is it? Monday, because you you have a very clear understanding you couldn't be anywhere else. You won't be trying to be in Monday because that's the belief that you could be out on Monday. Yeah, that will be totally dismissed. That you have any ability to ever be out of the moment you're in. <laughs> it's an impossibility. So why are you trying to get into it? <laughs> if you let go, you'd really get totally into the expansiveness of just being here. Yeah. It just it just shifts everything. The whole deck of cards gets redealt, reshuffled, uh, and then the, and then you're in a position of finding out how things go instead of ha- having everything preceded by I know what's going to happen. You are now it's preceded by a big open space. Is I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you're not the the caretaker of that. You're not. You don't have to be vigilant about it. That's the good news. In a sense, you're, irre- you're irrelevant. Yeah. You're like it's like it's, let's say if there was a if you were in a dream, and we possibly could seem to be right now, and in that dream there was a dreamt tiger, and that dreamt tiger, based in that format, has a lot of ability to scare the living hell out of you. Yeah. Because you ha- you have a little understanding of its nature that it's a little bit tricky and it could just rip your throat out at any minute so now what happens so you study you read books about how to get comfortable in a small area with a tiger you know and you like the concepts but they don't translate into an easing comfort now you know you shouldn't be afraid of the tiger but you're afraid of the tiger (laughs) so what are you going to try to do what would happen stop trying to make it or try to make yourself live around that dreamt tiger but realize that you're a dreamt object. When you wake up from being the dreamt object, does the dreamt tiger have the ability to affect you anymore? No, because you realize it's not so. Yeah. Now, if you keep taking yourself to be so, you're going to meet a lot of things like tigers and bad relationships and everything like that. And it's going to be very difficult to make all that seem unreal while you're seeming as real as possible. We're just going right to the root of it all. You. You're the biggest player in any event that ever happens in your life. Like it says in physics, the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of the experiment. Well, the biggest influence of anything that you want to call life in this giant umbrella of life is based on you. You're the biggest influence. To me, that's incredibly empowering. Where I see a lot of spirituality is like passivity and victimhood in a way. This is a very empowering uh, message. More so, more and more so, actually. Because only things, they can only appear to be so. They they need you to see them as being so to have a huge effect. A thought isn't going to affect you like a thought that's held as yours. The thought that's held as yours has a huge ability to affect you. I've seen people's whole day ruined by one thought. And one thought had a, they may have worked really hard to get to this beautiful event and there's a waterfall and a nice picnic and the love of their life and they have one thought and the whole thing goes south. Does the thought have that power when someone else has the same thought in the same vicinity you are and but they, they're not held as theirs and it has no effect on them? Yeah. The, the effect comes from the mind. Yeah. The effect of a feeling comes from it's your feeling. All the effects that are being brought about through seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, feeling, thinking, doing, has why? 
all that effect is occurring is because it's being used by the selfing to facilitate the bonding mechanism. It's claimed you as the doer, you as the seer, you as the feeler, you as the taster, you as the toucher, you as the doer, you as the thinker. It's claimed all of these activities that are just happening as you being the one who's doing them. Yeah? And every one of them are now being used to facilitate this consistent re-gluing of the mind to this crazy idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah. It can never be so, but it can seem to be so. Yeah. And when it seems to be so, man, it's freaking pretty good. I've seen people produce exquisite suffering out of nothing. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> nothing's happening but they believe it's going to happen and they just they just totally bypass reality in a sense and they go right to their interpretation it's going to really be terrible and when do, how where do they feel the real terribleness not in the future but right now right now they're in a clenched condition they're contracting constantly out of these anxieties the mental anxieties are producing physiological effects that resemble fear yeah? But there's nothing that's causing the fear except thoughts. And the thoughts don't have the ability to cause those effects, but if they're your thoughts, the mind through the thought system can produce those effects. Yeah, Something that is not so, hasn't even happened, can seem to have an effect now based on the mind. Yeah. Mental process called selfing claims everything, uses whatever it claims to facilitate its agenda, which isn't to be happy, joyous, and free. It's to be singular, special, and right, basically. <laughs> Unique. And then it uses everything it's come in contact with to facilitate that. Yeah. So the thought system is probably the handiest thing because there's like 70,000 thoughts a day. So 70,000 thoughts a day can be like can be used as the application of the bonding to the idea of being a self. Yes? It's like the glue that's readily available. I'm just going to apply this, I'm going to put this little glue ingredient into every thought by being held as mine or about me. And all those thoughts all day are going to glue this freaking mind to this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and it's going to be scared of a lot of dreamt objects. And it's going to want relief as a dreamt object. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but there's, the only relief is from the dreamt object. That's the only relief. It's from, not for or by or as. It's from. Yeah? It's from the dreamt object. You look at it, see what's looking right now. Yeah? One day, one moment, it's going to shift. You'll be looking at something and the emphasis won't be on the thing you're looking at and won't be on what you think it's pointing to. It will be in the seeing. And the mind will shift dramatically and the calibration of the mind may shift and then 51% of the stock moves over to this side and now you have an immunity to all the mental and emotional fucking shenanigans going on. Yeah? And then that, well, how does that show express itself? A stabilized traveling lighter. Day in and day out. What more do you want? You may find that's all you ever wanted. You may put all your other hopes about getting something better down. And you may realize you, already are, you are what you were thinking of trying to find. You are that. And in much an incredibly splendid way. 
Then we're even close to any conceptual take on it. Yeah. Its nuance is unbelievable. It's just it's it had it's like it's like an infinite prism of light, undifferentiated light hitting this event and but with an infinite prism. So tons of different ways of seeing things instead of this very inhibited, very small aperture, aperture way of looking called self-centeredness. You now start seeing, which is a much wider lens. A lot more is open to come in and a lot more goes out. Yeah, Self-centeredness is like a frame to some of these things. The frame throws, is, has a huge influence in whatever appears in it. Yes? It limits its, its it limits it, yeah. And you may actually realize life is a mural, not a frame of pictures, yeah. And you may give up all these freaking ideas of memories because you have you won't need a memory to be here, and you will never. I, I have no memories of any talk that's ever happened. I can never. I can't gather any mental seeds out of this ever. It's just totally nothing. My, my grimy little mental hands can't grab it, try to put its signature on the bottom. It's untouchable. That's why it's so fucking valuable. Yeah? Untouchable. I can't make anything out of it. I can't even get... Oh, I, I can't... I feel really great. I've given 8,000 talks. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't. It's the same event every time. There's just an opening. Downloads occur. And it's like the aha that hit me. It's the same aha that's reverberating, but in millions of different fucking ways. Jeez. Like when I go on trips to do talks, people don't even ask me anymore. They go, how was it? I say, well, it's over. You know? <laughs> I can't describe what it's like at the, at the stop sign. I can't. I can't make anything out of it because it's so... It's, it's, it, it doesn't lend itself to time. It's such a beautiful fucking gift because you can't store it or put it on your spiritual mantle or freeze dry it or neuter it and in all the other ways we neuter things. Yeah? It just gets beckoned again and on and on. And the only way you have it is live. Live. It's the living truth. Yeah? You're the living scripture. That's the only way. You're never going to know it, but you're going you're gonna to know a lot of things from it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what's going to happen. A lot of your experiences are going to be influenced from there, but you're never going to have an experience of it. Never. Never. Yeah. It's like forbidden. The little mental, little tentacle parasite of mind can't go there. It can't go into that territory. It cannot come back with anything. It can't throw... Oh, I left something there. It can't conceptualize it away. It's a pulsating, living nothing. Yeah? And we're totally right at the nuclear reactor point. Every moment of every day. Just pay attention to it a little bit. Yeah? Honor it. Yeah? It's not even an effort. You just lose interest in you and the attention will be paid to it. Because the attention knows it. It knows it's of that source. Attention and interest is of no thing. It is not something, it's not a quality that a thing has. I do not have interest and attention. Interest and attention is an extension of no thing here, through a thing. But it's not of a thing. Yeah? So that interest and attention, when it's free from this mental slavery, 
cooperated by this physical identification. When it's freed, it's going to find go back and rest there. And there's plenty of tension to deal with a fucking day. You don't have enough attention to deal with what's not happening. Because anything can be happening there. You can have cancer, this and that. The, whatever the mind can come up with, it's, it can produce that. It could possibly be happening. But right now, this has a quality what's not happening doesn't have. And it's happening. This is the anchor. Your interest and attention... Here it goes. I'm going out. Let's say I'm, uh, this events are happening. My interest attention is going out. What happens when it's been commandeered by the selfing? It gets caught in a self-centered loop. Yeah, The loop of self-importance. So everything I come in contact with, it refers back to who's in contact with it, which is a false billboard. Yeah. So here's the interest attention. It stops at the false billboard because the mind believes that this is me. Yeah, so the interest and attention stops there, yeah, and then bounces back out again to get more, like authentication of being this. What would happen if you question if you're the billboard? Find out, but I'll tell you what happens with me. The interest and attention goes right through that freaking idea, and then circulates into infinity. Yes, picks up a whole lot of stuff that is probably going to come out and download. In your day. Not a product of this place, but a product of that. Yeah. There's no that, but it's gonna and it's gonna fulfill it's gonna have this loop, not a loop of self importance, which is really crippled, really uh, interrupted, really shortened, where it goes it goes way out, but boom, always hits boom, 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 back to this. Yeah? This time it goes and it goes way there, and now it's in a loop, and you realize yeah? Nothing's happening to anything. It's just happening. It's like you're finally irrigated. Yes? Your garden finally can grow because you have the right irrigation. It's not a closed system. It's a closed system that takes residue, goes this way, and it's just, and you feel like that. You feel like something that was blocked up is now connected. Yeah? Like somebody took a big cork out of something. And now it's moving and it feels like an aha. This feels like well-being. This feels like a sense of wholeness. Yeah? Not a fucking, I'm feeling a sense of wholeness. No. You respond to the wholeness as, hey, this feels like a sense of wholeness. Instead of trying to make a sense of wholeness, which is only conceptual, you feel the wholeness and then you come up with a a humble translation about it. Hey, this feels, you know, jeez. Yes. So you know the problem from the solution. From the solution's point of view, there is no problem. If that's the case, then why is there a need for a solution? There isn't. That's why I'm meant to become obsolete. Seriously. Yeah. That's why it's always going to be introductory night. <laughs> there's no advanced there's none of that there's just a subtle humble recognition you're that by realizing you're not that yeah when you realize you're not that that all it is is pointing all it is is inferring all it is is referring there's, you're not the moon it's just fingers mental fingers mental interpretations mental claimings pointing to the moon you're not the moon yes You'll keep seeing the pointing, but you'll see it. 
it won't immediately turn into a form of looking when you take yourself to be what's being pointed at because there is no one there. You'll see it. And after a while, you'll see that that's what I am. I am the seeing of all that I'm not. Yeah. And therefore, everything I'm not now carries the fact of what I am by recognizing I'm not that. All of it. Good news. That's what the gospel is supposed to mean. The definition of gospel is good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It wasn't like an edict of torture and vigilance and <laughs> beating yourself up because you don't, can't live up to it. It's good news. Like, hey, yeah, chill out. <laughs> you know? Read a book, don't read a book. Whatever you're drawn to, it's not you being drawn to it, so follow, you know. You'll pick up the beat. Intuition comes back. Yeah? You get a sense of energy. You see people that you don't want to be with. You don't have to make a judgment about it. You just sense it. You just don't go there. Yeah? You start feeling things out. And yet when it delivers the goods, like if an intuition delivers the good, honor it. Build a little mental build a little altar there for that day. Because the story it's like the story is based on a mind that's so biased that if you have, if a miracle happens at nine in the morning, you've forgotten it by about one in the afternoon. But a resentment that actually never occurred, you're still <laughs> dwelling on 35 years later. You've got to see the bias of the conditional mind. So when the demonstrations of freedom or wholeness appear, honor them at least. That's all you need to do. Don't make a story about it. You just honor it. And then it verifies and then the intuition it becomes more and more pronounced. You know? So there you go. Any other uh, questions tonight? Yeah. yeah. The bathroom is this door. Go out that door. Yeah. And it's got paper all over it. So it's the second. Thank you. Yeah, make a right right now. Yes. Uh, you had uh, reference to history, past and present, and uh, future. And future. And particularly in the course of your talks, the 8,000 docks. I've been to several, several of them, in the hundreds, maybe. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> to me, there is a history. There's a definite history here. It may be <clears throat> little consequence, but the Paul I'm hearing tonight is not the same Paul I heard three or four or five years ago. It's a different Paul. So, while it may have a little... History has its importance. What's happened in the past is important. Mainly, in my view, I I think, this may be the threats that you're talking about, to show that it's changing. It is not the same. Paul of four or five years ago, Jim of four or five years ago, is not the same as the one tonight or tomorrow. Well, yeah, in a way, expression, to keep expressing does it through time and space. Yeah? For something to appear and keep appearing and to seem to grow, there has to be time for it to grow and space for it to happen in. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So this event called this place is time. I mean, is is built for expression. Yeah? So 
what happened is what's changing is the body and maybe Paul's presentation of everything, but the basic inherent quality of mind hasn't changed one iota. But its expression through this facilitator or this interface changes. Yes. That's the beauty of it. Something that's unchangeable can can influence and appear in millions of changes every freaking day over time. It's a beautiful event. But not to be taking yourself to be that which is changing. Yeah? So this this flute in a sense, or this this flute that was playing this these notes eight years ago. Because of the notes coming through it so much, the, the flute has gotten like a more, like a deeper timber. You know what I mean? The message has come through so many times, the flutes become better, you know, a better facilitator for the message, hopefully. <laughs> Could be worse, but I hope it's better. Yes? Because the notes going through it. Or just like how, let's say, a, a hose would be defined by the water moving through it. Yeah? Now, the water moving through it is just, that's its impulse, is to move. But a byproduct of it, it would clean the inside of the hose while it was moving, yeah? It's not its intention, but that's what it does. That's one of its qualities. So let's say mind, inherently whole mind, is expressing here. And obviously, if it's expressing what it's attempting to express here, which is a difficult thing to express, it's, it could get, let's say, uh, more mature, or like a wine, you know, get more, uh, what do they call it, more developed, more more timber, more substance, because of the constant moving of it through. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. When I first had it occur, I was doing workshops in recovery, and I was doing these talks, and it would be like a, a hose and water. I'd feel this download come through. And let's say five minutes before the talk, I had no money, my girlfriend broke up with me. No matter what my circumstances and situation, emotionally, physically, or mentally were, that hour of the talk, they were—they did not exist. Yeah. Now, this happened in, with such a batting average, like a thousand percent batting average. After a while, I realized if something can seem not to, to exist that much, it probably never existed. Yeah. So, I, by it moving through, I started learning a lot. Yeah. Because I did these talks for 19 years on Monday nights in San Francisco and based on all type of conditions and yet in that hour it, everything was totally dismissed as if it was had never happened. Yeah? My mind expanded on that idea. Why not? Yeah, If something can seem not to be so maybe it isn't. <laughs> maybe I'd go for it. You know? And that's what my mind does. My mind... Just like they used to say, uh, you can see one drop of the ocean and know the whole ocean. The mind can expand. If you see that, hey, there's an assumption I have something to do with, with something I have nothing to do with, expand on that. Hey, maybe I, have a lot, I don't have a lot to do with almost anything. Yeah? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then when you get relief, you'll realize, oh, it was my taking myself to be the doer was what was causing the heaviness to find fruition here. Yes, yeah. I'm the condu. I'm the either the, the conduit of what you would call the solution or the problem. There's no thing called alcoholism. It finds existence to us. Some mental wind takes over this opportunity, and then you live. You seem to have an alcoholic life, and I seem to have an alcoholic life, and tons of people have alcoholic lives, 
And then they finally get together and they start sharing about their life and their feelings and their thoughts and their reactions. And they realize, hey, that person sounds like they have my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions. Like, guess what? They do. This possibility has been taken over by one mental wind or a deep mental groove or a samskara called alcoholism. And it's using every, all the people who are under alcoholism to express itself through. How else is it going to express here? You don't run into many alcoholic dogs or monkeys, yeah? Or, you know, praying mantis or seagulls, yeah? We facilitate a very, very interesting little aspect of mind called alcoholism. We are the facilitators of it, yeah? We have to take, we have to <laughs> see it, yeah? You can't take an x-ray of alcoholism. You're not going to find it in your body. You're not going to ever find... An, out, uh, an x-ray of a, a deep mental groove. You're not. They're attempting to do what everything else is doing here. Express or manifest. And they need to come through a lot, this facility. They're not coming through dogs or dolphins. There's not many drunk dolphins either. Yeah, They're coming through this possibility. Yeah, And also... We also can pick up other possibilities that can't be downloaded through dogs and stuff like that either. Like realizing you're the awareness of this conscious event. This is a, we have an incredible, huge field of possibilities offered to us in this, this invitation or this possibility called this human conveyance, Yeah. See it if you can see what we would call the negative aspects. That that can point to what's possible. Yeah, something else could take you over that would be much more benevolent than alcoholism. Yeah? Alcoholism takes you over because of selfing. That's where that's where it grows. It grows in selfing, and then it it it's like selfing. That, that hybrids into another form of selfing, an extreme version of it called alcoholism. Yeah? But it, it has to grow in that Petri dish of the original uh, dis disease, which is the mind's addiction to being a self. That's the original Petri dish that's growing all of these things or attracting all these mental winds like greed and envy <coughs> and all like that. Well, let's say if, you, if the mind wasn't resting in that Petri dish, See where, what happens when it's in another modality of mind. Maybe you'll start having gratitude in your attitude. Maybe possibilities that you would never have come to just drop down, drop in. Yeah? This whole idea of I will be okay and I was once okay is fucking forgotten. I am okay. Yeah? Now, who wants, who wants the presence to even be delayed a second? based on you have to do something to feel the presence. Yeah? The presence is already so. It's built in. It's available. It doesn't take any time to reach it. Yeah? And if you don't have it, if you haven't claimed it, you can't lose it. You can only lose what you think you have. And you can only get lost if you're thinking you're going somewhere. It's the only time you actually can get lost. You have to think you're going somewhere. If you don't think you're going somewhere, you're never lost. <laughs> so, 
Oh, good. All right. Well, that's it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it isn't. <laughs>